I want to say welcome to all those who are watching online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. We love it that you are here with us uh, as well. Maybe you're watching from a campground. Anyone watch? Raise your hand if you're watching from a campground right now. You see all, see all those people? I don't know what to do with that, but uh, I believe that the next few moments that we have together are going to, are, are, are important. I believe that they matter. I believe that this is a topic worth talking about and worth looking at the script at the scripture um, too, and of course today, national holiday, the day we celebrate and remember our uh, freedom uh, as we officially separated ourselves from England and became the United States of America. And, and of course, and we've mentioned this a few times already today, that freedom came uh, at a price initially uh, with the lives of thousands and thousands of American soldiers uh, husbands and sons and, uh, you know, you understand all of that. People lost loved ones, cost dearly. That was the initial price for our freedom. And you know this, since that time, uh, our, our freedom has continued to be costly. And uh, through different seasons, through different wars, sometimes even with ourselves at, at different times in history. But, like, I don't know if you understand this truly, but the freedom that we enjoy here in America is truly unique in the history of humanity. Uh, we are incredibly fortunate to be born where we were born and at the time that we have been born. Uh, as you look throughout history in different places around the world, uh, even today, even right now, you had a 6% chance of being born in America. 6% statistically. You had, you had about a 50% chance being born into a family that lives on less than $2 a day. Think about the statistical uh, lottery that we have all won with where, li- where we live here in America. Uh, it, it is truly an incredible thing. Uh, it's a great time to be an American. And at the end of the service today, we're actually going to spend a few minutes praying for our country and for our leaders and some of that, so you can be ready for those. But, but America's goofy at times as well. Did you know that? Let, let me give you a couple examples. You know that in America, it is the only place where we call what doctors do practice. Yeah, I, you ever thought about that? Or, or we, call, we call the person who handles all of our money a broker? I don't know what we're thinking. America is the only place in the world where you buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in 8. I don't know what to do with that. Come on, somebody. Like, I, you'd think with all of the technology and advancement that we could have solved that problem by now. I'm with, all right, enough of that. Uh, let's get to the Bible. Will you please stand with me all over this place? And, uh, and, and let's, let's read our passage of Scripture for today. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start with verse number 1. 1 Timothy 2, verse number 1. Here's what it says. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ 
Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Let's pray. God, we, we take a deep breath. We thank you for what we have. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and the, the great country that we get to live in. And Lord, we just pray that, that as Christians, as a church, that, that we would figure out how to do this. And, and that we would understand your will and, and your way uh, and how we would deal with certain things that are happening even in our country. And so, Lord, we just pray for wisdom. We pray that you would speak first and foremost, God, that this would not be my thoughts and my ideas, but that you would really just kind of shine on us today and speak to us right now. And so we give this to you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Let's go. We're ready. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I've been thinking about this all week and praying, and I'm ready. I'm excited. Uh, it's, there, there's going to be a part where I'm going to attempt to offend us, and so I'm just going to throw that out here right away, okay? So just be ready to be offended. I hope you put on your big boy panties today. That was not what I meant to say. All right, so here we go. Let's go. All right, I, I want to start. I want to start with a statement that I think we all agree with. Um, in America, things that were once considered morally unacceptable have now become normal. In America, things that, have once, that, that were once considered morally unacceptable have now become normal. I think that for the most part, most of us would agree with that statement, but for the sake of where we're headed, like let me just give you a few examples in history to just kind of uh, put, start putting this together. In 1946, it was the first year of the women's swimsuit known as the bikini, okay? This was scandalous at this point. Understand, it was unacceptable. In fact, originally it was illegal in many Western cultures and countries. Illegal. Think about that. The Catholic Church were very straightforward at that time. They came straight out and called wearing a bikini sinful, and, and you're thinking, of course, that's a church, but listen, listen to this right here. Initially, the bikini was so controversial that the man who invented it could not find a model to wear it. And he found his models at strip clubs. This is what we have in history. And I'm not here to argue for or against what people wear or anything like that. That's not what this is. My point is, very simply, what was once considered morally unacceptable now has become a very normal part of our lives. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, think about movies and TV for a moment. Did you know that at one time it was considered scandalous to show a fully clothed and covered married couple in bed together? on TV. That was scandalous at one time. A fully clothed and covered married couple in bed together. Check this out. In 1963, a, a movie that wanted to get the approval of the Motion Picture Association of America, listen to this, couldn't include profanity stronger than hell or damn, couldn't take the Lord's name in vain, like saying, oh my God, or Jesus Christ in jest, uh, and couldn't present sex outside of marriage as attractive or justified. 
1963. We can now have all of those things in a movie and still get a rating that is acceptable for little children. What was, now consi- what, what was once considered morally unacceptable has now become a normal part of our lives. And what about the government? Uh, laws are being passed that our ancestors would have never dreamed of. Politics are a mess. Voting is a mess. Leaders are a mess. You know this. Even the word, uh, uh, even the word politics, like the, the word itself is kind of messed up. Uh, poly means many and ticks like a blood-sucking animal. (laughs) You didn't know that, did you? Okay. Is that offensive? I didn't mean for that to be offensive. I thought it was going to be funny. Some people are like, I can't believe you said that. He's in so much trouble. It was a joke. That's what it was. All right. The question, the question though for me, the question as we kind of start is like, how, how do we respond? as Christians. How how do we respond to this? And and I think for most Christians, we live with this sense of America is going in the wrong direction in a lot of areas, and we are farther away from one nation under God, in in God we trust, than we have ever been before, for sure, than than we used to be. And here's what Christians are doing. Here's what some Christians are doing. Some Christians are creating petitions, getting signatures, uh, and, and getting those to our leaders. Some Christians are carrying signs protesting the government, protesting abortion, protesting other issues. Uh, many Christians are, are sharing all sorts of Facebook posts and social media things, anti-government, anti-Biden or Trump or anti-Governor Walls or whatever else. Like, and some Christians just kind of sit back and do nothing and, and just kind of like, this isn't really my fight type of attitude. But understand this, how Christians respond matters greatly. And, and I, think, I think we all agree, and we probably all see that there are some Christians in our country right now that are actually making things worse, that are actually causing problems and moving things farther away from the cause of Christ. It, it's like, as a husband, when you argue with your wife, there's multiple ways that you can handle a situation. Uh, you can say, okay, dear, I hear what you're saying. Let's talk about it. Or you can say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Woman, you are dumb. And how many of you know, how many of you husbands know that one of those responses actually makes things worse? Okay? That's funny, but understand, understand the context here that there, is a right and, there, there are right and wrong ways to go about some of these types of things. Um, at that point, it no longer matters even who's right or wrong in the husband and wife relationship because how you responded now makes you wrong. Did you hear that? That was good right there, okay? Uh, there are Christians who are making things worse because of how they are responding. Now, here's what's cool. The Bible actually speaks like directly to this issue, and it answers this question, how should Christians respond when their culture is out of whack? And I love this. A few moments ago, we read, we read from a book of the Bible called 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy written by a guy named uh, Paul. Paul was the artist formerly known as Saul. And uh, initially, initially, he hated anyone associated with Jesus. Uh, but God radically encounters him, speaks to him. Saul becomes Paul. God uses him to write a massive part of the Bible. See, Paul, Paul was a missionary. 
like God-given mission to bring the message of Jesus to people who had never heard it, and he begins to travel around the Roman Empire. This is just, you know, 40, 50 AD, a few years after, the, after Jesus would have died. He travels around the Roman Empire, beginning to tell people who have never heard about the message of Jesus, and beginning to start churches in cities and in places everywhere he went, Christian churches where there had never been one. Well, on this journey that he was taking, he runs into a young man named Timothy. Timothy has an extraordinary story, and it has this incredible ability to lead people and love people. Paul forms this relationship with Timothy and says, hey, I'll be Batman, you be Robin, let's win this thing together, is kind of what we have here. And, and, and Paul becomes like a spiritual father to this young man named Timothy. Well, um, this is all setting this up, hang with me, okay? Eventually, Paul takes Timothy to a metropolis, massive city called Ephesus. And Ephesus was a major city in the Roman Empire, one of the places where Paul had started a new church, and this church was flourishing. Incredible things were happening in Ephesus during this time, and Paul takes Timothy there, and he leaves him there to lead this new community of Christians, to, to really kind of be their pastor, but also understand this, and this is where things begin to, in a way, kind of compare themselves uh, to us here in America. This right here was not a good time in history to be a Christian, and that was not a good place to be a Christian. Uh, this was the Roman Empire in its, in, in, in its prime. This was Emperor Nero. In fact, on a corrupt government scale, like Nero and Rome get a 10 out of 10, and America right now gets about a 2 in comparison. Roman Empire, Nero, this is burning Christians. This is feeding them to lions in the Colosseum. This is people not being able to work because of their faith in Jesus. Do you, do you feel what's happening here in ancient uh, Roman Empire? This is what this is speaking right in two, okay? And so Paul leaves Timothy there, but he writes him a couple letters, and we have two of those letters actually in our Bible, First and Second Timothy. And these are letters of encouragement. They're letters intended to teach and instruct Timothy to give him like how to do different things. Basically, how do you lead your church? How do you lead these people uh, through this difficult season right here in the middle of the Roman Empire? And in this, we have direction for us as Christians as how we should respond to the moral decline of our nation and different, different political situations. So here we go. That was a long intro that's just getting us to the Bible right here to answer our question, and most of us are still with me, and that's good. Okay, here we go. Verse number one, we're gonna read this. He writes to Timothy, he writes, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Let's stop right there, and we've got to talk about this. First, like number one, how we respond, like vitally important but often missed by the American Christian and the American church with all the stuff going on in our culture. Number one, we pray. 
We pray, it's not, not optional, not as a last resort, not if we run out of different, it's where we start. We pray. He writes, I urge you, first of all, to pray. Now let me pick apart those eight words right there because I want to like, take this to a whole different level. He says, I urge you. Now the, the, the word urge here, uh, Paul wrote this in Greek and we have an English translation of that. The, the Greek word is parakalo. You're like, I don't care. But it's more often translated into English as to beg or to plead. Okay, can you hear kind of the heaviness of what Paul is writing here in this letter? He's trying to use a word that would communicate something the, the best that he can, the weight of what he was at. Like, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg of you, Timothy. And then he says, first of all, first of all, I beg of you, Timothy, first of all, one translation said that this way, before anything else, Timothy, I plead with you, I beg with you, before anything else, pray. Pray for who? Pray for all people. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Like super generic, pray for all people. But now listen to verse number uh, two, and this is where we get, this is like where things get interesting. Pray this way for kings, Pray this way for all who are in authority. Now, let, let me put this in the context of Paul and Timothy, okay? You already know where this is going. We've already hinted at it. Like, Timothy, pray for the leaders who are burning Christians. Pray for the Roman leaders who are taking Christians and feeding them to lions as a public display and for entertainment. Pray for them. Like, ask God to help them, intercede for them, which is like to petition to God on their behalf. Wow. Like, give, give thanks to God for them. All the oxygen should have been sucked out of this place on that right there, if you understand what just happened. Timothy, give thanks for Nero. Give thanks to God for near, that, that is crazy. Listen, our government, our governor, our president, no matter what side you fall on, no matter if politically you agree or disagree, no matter if you think they are horrible people with horrible morals, as Christians, before anything else, we pray. We pray. It's what we do first. It's how we start every single time. But that's not the response of most American Christians here, is it? Our first response is to speak our mind. Like to make social media posts, to share Facebook stuff, to get together with other people who think just like us and gossip and slander. And we spend time arguing with other people on the internet. So let's just get super uncomfortable here for a moment. Come on. All right, are you ready? Like, lean forward and just, just try not to get offended the best that you can. As Christians, if you are not praying for your president, keep your mouth shut. That sucks. If you are not praying for your president, keep your mouth, like, keep your mouth shut because biblically, you are doing things out of order. 
and in a way, you have not earned the right to speak your mind. As a Christian, if you want to be an American and you want to just go and you want to just do things, but if you are a Christian and if, 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 if you care about God and Jesus and this is what you want to live and how you, okay, then, then, then you keep your mouth shut unless you are praying. Unless you are praying. Like, and understand in this conversation, I don't care who the president is. President Biden, President Trump, it, it, it does not matter to this right here. It doesn't matter. Governor Walls, whatever you think about him, this does not matter to this part of the conversation. It's not about who. It's not about what they believe. It's not about how they lead or, or whether you agree with them. None of that is relevant to this right here. We just saw Paul tell Timothy, thank God for Nero. Before anything else, we pray. We, we pray, we pray. We pray for those who are in authority. And we do not we do not pray that they will get overthrown, and we do not pray that they will die, okay? We pray for their good. We petition to God on their behalf. I got zero amens for that. But Pastor Kyle, Biden wants to take away our religious freedom. You, you, you think the people in the Bible had religious freedom? Like, seriously, Timothy, you pray first. Before anything else, you pray. But Pastor Kai, we need to stand up for the police. It's just not right. Someone needs to say something. Don't, don't miss this. I'm not telling you what to stand up for and what not to right now. That's not the conversation. I'm telling you, like, if you feel the need to stand up for the police, stand up for the police after you pray. After you pray, if you don't pray as a Christian, then please just, can we just keep our mouths shut because we're making things worse? You gotta pray. Don't speak about it. Don't write posts. Don't talk about it with your neighbors or the guy's breakfast club. Like, like but, it, but if you pray, listen, listen. If you pray and you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and through you, then we see Christians making a difference in our culture. But Pastor Kyle, Governor Walsh is a joke. He called us rocks and cows or whatever it was. And like, like he's not leading well. He has bad morals. He should not have done all the COVID stuff. Did you remember all this like broken record here? I'm not telling you what to do and what not to do when it comes to this. What I'm telling you is if you are not praying for Governor Walls, then you have not earned the right as a Christian to speak out against him. I'm convinced that Christians all over America are making things worse simply because they're speaking their minds on all sorts of things and they are not praying about it. While others angrily take sides on political issues, our first priority should be to pray for those in authority. We pray for our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for Washington. We pray for Republicans and Democrats. We pray that good would come to them. We petition God on their behalf. We give thanks for them. And I'll just be honest. For some of us, our anger runs so deep on some of this stuff that we simply cannot make sense of this. But this is the Bible. This is the gospel. And all of, us, all of this just kind of leads to verse number three where Paul just says, this is good and pleases God our Savior what is good and pleases God when we speak out against immoral government officials and write like Facebook posts? No, 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 like when, when we pray. This is good. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved 
and to understand the truth. And now we get to the motivation behind Paul here and what he is writing in his letter. Okay, the motivation behind everything we see Paul write. Like it's summed up here in verse number four. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now understand, think about this with me. Nowhere in any of Paul's letters, and he writes 13 of them at least, nowhere does he ever paint this picture of Christians. You should do everything that you can to keep and to create this safe and secure lifestyle for you and your family. That is never, okay? I'm not saying that that is that that's a bad thing in any sort of a way, but understand, it is simply not the goal. It is not the motivation of the scripture. The motivation of Paul, when he writes all of these letters to churches and people, is that everyone would be saved, is that everyone would come to understand the truth. Everyone. Like the, that politician that you loathe, God wants them to be saved and understand the truth. Okay? Like, let's go to the extreme with this, that Islamic terrorist, God wants them to be saved and understand the truth. He created that person, did you know that? It's hard to reconcile some of that stuff, isn't it? God wants them to be saved and know the people who burn down buildings and destroy property, God wants them to be saved. They are created by God and loved by God and God wants them to know the truth. The most racist, nasty-hearted person you could think of. God wants them to be saved and understand the truth. The, the world that God loves and created includes every person. It includes cruel dictators and terrorists. So understand, understand that when we, when we pray and when we cry out to God for our president and for our, for our governor and for Washington and all of that, like that motivation... The motivation of Paul, which is a God-given motivation from God himself, the motivation that all should be saved and all should, that, that begins to be crystal clear in who we are. And the motivation of our heart begins to change. If we don't pray, listen to this, when we don't pray, our own sinful desires and selfish motives come out crystal clear for the world to see. That, I'm going to say that again because I don't remember writing that, but that's like really, when we don't pray, our own sinful desires and selfish motives come out crystal clear for the world to see. And that, my friends, simply is not working. And then Paul ends with this beautiful gospel message, the story of God, the story of Jesus, the story of our freedom. Not our freedom as Americans. This was written way before that, but the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. This is verse number five. It says, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, for everyone. This is the message God gave the world at just the right time. First, he says there is one God. For us, that's really not like a thing. Uh, because for most of us, this is just normal. We just think of one God. Paul's writing in a culture with, filled with gods and temples and all, like, this is all, there's only one God and one mediator. Uh, Paul, Paul's really saying it doesn't matter what culture you live in, what religion your parents are, none of this matters. Like, it doesn't matter who your friends are or what some blogger wrote on the internet, okay? There is one God and there is one mediator. A mediator is a person who brings two people or groups together by identifying with both sides and establishing a relationship between them that would not exist otherwise. Very simply, Jesus was able to bring us back to God because he became man. 
Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Verse six, I love this. This, this phrase here, purchase, purchase freedom. It's language that they would have used uh, back in the day when talking about slavery. Uh, a person who would pay a certain amount to buy the freedom of somebody else. Like here's, here's the picture. A slave was helpless to do anything to save themselves, to free themselves. Could not be done. They were helpless in that. And in this, and like using this very specific language, Paul, Paul's saying we are like, we're like slaves. We're captive to sin and helpless to do anything to save ourselves. And it was in that state that Jesus paid the price, died on the cross to bring us to God, bringing freedom, bringing forgiveness, all that. Come on, somebody. All right. The music team, will you please come? All right. Now, um, I'm not going to have you raise your hand if we're still friends, but let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's just go quickly kind of into a little bit of a review and, and just kind of a challenge to us, okay? Um, I hope, I hope and I pray that no one misunderstood what I was saying today. Because I, what I wanted to do was just very simply try to let the Bible do the talking as it relates to us in our situation right now. Uh, but first, when our culture seems to be going backwards, when our leaders seem to be unbiblical, when things in Washington appear to be corrupt, before anything else, as Christians, we pray. Before anything else. This is not, this is not a roadmap past that. That's for us to figure out a different day and for us to move in that direction, and that's where the, a whole lot of things, you know, okay? Like, it's not the only thing we do. We, we take a stand when that's warranted. We speak the truth in love. But, but all of that, everything we do should flow from this deep, connected, prayer-filled relationship with the only one who can actually change hearts. See, we have this goofy thing in our mind that says like, I'm gonna somehow change somebody's mind by sharing this post from, you know, republicansarebest.com. And we're going to share this post and somehow this is going to change the minds of the other side. Do you understand how foolish that is? The only person that can change and, and bring true change to America is God. God using us. But if we are not connected to God through prayer, then we're not going to see anything happen. Then we're just going to look like a bunch of, you know, picketing, angry people which is not the call of Jesus Christ. We pray. We pray first. We pray for our president. We pray for our governor, no matter how we feel about him. We pray for Washington. We pray for Democrats and Republicans. We pray that God would move hearts and change hearts and, and show up and, that, and wake us up. That's what we do. And I don't know if praying for our president and praying for our governor and praying for those authorities, I don't know if that is a part of your routine. But I want to encourage you, even right now, to allow the word of God to move in and through you and say, this is a big deal. And I need to do, I need to do this. Let's be people who pray 
Like, we cannot do it, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Second, let's be people who are genuinely aware of the freedom that we have in Jesus. This is a day where we celebrate the freedom of America and celebrate the freedom of America. Come on, fireworks, grilling out, remember what this is about, remember the price that has been paid, remember all that stuff, but, but come on somebody, don't miss this, don't forget, don't forget what Jesus did when he paid the price, when he purchased our freedom and what that cost. We were once slaves to our sin, but we can be free through the blood of our Savior. I do just want to kind of give everyone an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus even for the first time. Uh, this, this scripture that we read today paints this, paints this picture of Jesus who paid the price for our freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from our sin, freedom from our past, freedom from the stuff that you have done, the places you've been, the people you've hurt. The Bible says we're all sinners. None of us, none of us measure up to a perfect and a holy God. And it's only in this price that was paid through Jesus, but we have to put our trust in that. We have to put our faith in that. We receive that like a gift, the Bible says. And maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, hey, Pastor Kyle, I have never received this gift of this freedom, of this salvation. This is the word of the Bible. And I want to do that today. If that's you, will you just show me your hand? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. If you're online right now, you can respond to this as well. You just click a little button. It might be in the notes or in the description of whatever. There's a link that you can click there. You, you can respond to this. Anyone in this place that would say, this is for me. This is for me today. And church, can I just lead us in a prayer? Everyone pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me forgive me of my sins and change my life in your name I pray amen amen come on put your hands together let's celebrate that all right now now church we're just going to take two minutes and I'm going to lead us in a prayer kind of just for our nation but we're going to do some things that may this may even sound uncomfortable for some of us as we give thanks our leaders uh, but what I'm trying to do here is just follow the pattern of the scripture and what was laid out to someone a couple thousand years ago in a situation that in a way is kind of similar they're in a way more extreme spot than than we are for sure but can we just can we just for a moment just kind of pray for America can you just join me as I do that God I pray right now for this great nation I pray, God, that, that as Christians, we would get on our knees, that, that the moral decline and that the issues and that the stuff we hear about and read about, God, that that would bring us to our knees, oh God, that we would cry out to you for America. And God, we pray right now for our leaders like you have told us to do. God, we pray for Governor Walls. We pray that you would do something so special in his life. We pray that he would find you if that needs to happen. We pray, God, that you would help him and that you would bless him and that you would move him. God, we even thank you for Governor Walls. And we just pray that something would happen in his life, God. We pray for that. We petition 
to you on his behalf. God, we pray for President Biden right now. We pray that that hearts would be changed. We pray that he would lead well. We pray that he would move America in the direction that you would have it. We pray for his well-being. We pray for his health. We pray, God, for his safety. We pray that you would change his mindset in the places that need that. But God, we do pray that you would bless him, that you would move in him, that you would, God, get a hold of him in ways like never before. God, we pray, we, we thank you for President Biden. And for some of us, God, that's a hard thing to say, but we're just, we're just looking to you as an example. And we just, we thank you for our leaders. And we pray that you would move in America. Let it start with us. Let it start with the Christians getting on our knees and doing things the way that we're supposed to do them. And I pray that as we, as we begin to pray for America and we begin to pray for our leaders, that we would be filled with this sense of direction of what to do and how to approach things. God, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we would see things change, Lord. That is our prayer. That is our desire. We lay this out before you, the God of all creation who wants everyone to be saved. We want to be a part of that, God. And I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that we would be so aware of you right next to us, Holy Spirit, moving in us, speaking to us. God, help us, change us, move us forward. Oh God, we pray. And it's in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. All right, thank you so much for coming today. Happy 4th of July. Have a great day.